2: Before we start today, I just wanted to let you know about some amazing deals that we have going on across the world on our three separate websites. First, at Tennis Warehouse, you can get the K-Swiss Big Shot Light for just $39. We have it available for both men and women. It's super comfortable and stable, and you cannot beat that price. We also have a junior version priced at $24, so you might as well stock up for the whole family. Be sure to go to tenniswarehouse.com to find this deal now. Over in Europe, at Tennis Warehouse Europe, they have the ultra-comfortable Wilson Rush Pro 2.5 clay shoe available right now, and it's priced under €50. Great traction and all-around comfort make this a favorite shoe of ours, so go grab a pair or two, while the price is just $49.90. You can find it at tenniswarehouseeurope.com. And in Australia, over at Tennis Only, they have the Prince TechStream Warrior 100L discounted over 50% off. Price just at $99.95, this is a racket that's easy to use for any level player and an awesome deal. So go grab yours now at tennisonly.com.au. Be sure to keep checking our websites for more insane deals. Now, I started getting a little stir-crazy this week, so it was the perfect opportunity for me to check in with some of my colleagues across the globe. And in doing so, we also talked about some of our favorite matches from the past several years. You're going to want to take note. There's some good ones that you're going to want to go back and rewatch. And we also talk about some other fun things, like if you could only take one racket with one string set up, what would it be? What's your favorite quarantine snack? And who's your favorite player of the moment? Let me know who you want to hear on the next episode Feel free to email me at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Talk Tennis. We have a fun episode coming at you guys today. I am joined remotely with two of my colleagues. Safwan is in Europe. He works for Tennis Warehouse Europe. And then Troy is with us as well. We are all completely separate. So we're practicing our social distancing. But we are taking this time to check in. And how's everything going for you guys right now?
1: Hello, Michelle. Yeah, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And everything is going not too bad in Europe. I mean, we're locked down at home, but (laughs) still watching some tennis. And that's why we're
0: here.
2: Yes. Troy, how's it going?
0: Things are good. It's uh, it's good to socialize with people and talk to people. <laughs> I'm getting a little homesick or like missing home. It's like being home too much, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: yeah. For everyone listening out there, we are all working from home at the moment. And these conversations that you're going to listen to today actually would have been happening at the BNP Party Bot Open because both Troy and Safwan would have been there and they both love to geek out on tennis. And they're going to talk about some of their favorite matches over the past few years. So before I get into that, though, Safwan, I kind of wanted you to introduce yourself a little bit to our audience.
1: Sure. So my name is Safwan. I'm from France. I'm working with Tennis Warehouse Europe as a marketing coordinator for France. And I've been working with uh, the company for uh, about one year and a half now.
2: Nice. And you guys have probably seen him on some of our global playtests and there's French playtests that you've been on and he's awesome player. I have both lefties (laughs) with me today.
1: (laughs) Yes, lefty day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we dive in, I actually kind of had this fun question for you guys because I think when I went home the day we were told to go work from home, I didn't really think I wouldn't be coming back. So I ha- wanted to ask you guys if you could pick one racket strung with your favorite strings and your favorite pairs of shoes, what would it be?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you had to take something because you know it's the last time you're taking something.
2: Exactly. Because I was like, okay, I should probably take like a racket. I don't
1: know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you want to go ahead? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I've been using uh, the E-Zone 98 Plus is my go-to racket. So it would probably be that one just because I've been using that one so much lately. Strung with uh, Selenco Hyper-G 16L. And then for shoes, it would probably be the Joe Resolution 8 or the New Balance uh, Fresh Foam Love. Nice. That'd probably be my setup. If I had to go take something, and that would be the only things I could use in a match.
2: Like last minute.
0: Yeah. For me, I would have gone for the um,
1: Head Speed Pro, the latest one. Uh, we were playtesting it just before everything <laughs> has been shut down. And uh, I really liked it. So the review is coming out soon. And it's a shame I don't have it here with me. (laughs) Although I'm stuck, I would like to still be playing with it and um, strong with the Link Store. And uh, shoes, I would go for the Nike Vapor Knit.
2: Nice. So
1: you're thinking about switching to that
0: Speed Pro, C1? Possibly, yeah. Uh Oh, nice. Let's get a record.
2: Cool. Well, this podcast is dedicated to re-watching some of our favorite matches, so we all have a lot of free time on our hands, so this is a great opportunity to see what these guys think are some of the best matches to watch out there. So we're going to get started. Fed all. We got to talk about Fed all. When we talk about best matches, best Roger Rafa matchup. I'm gonna let you guys take all the answers here. I want to hear what you have to say. Feel free to like debate it. Let's go.
0: Yeah, obviously there's some many amazing uh, federer and Nadal matches, but if you're talking like best match, pretty much like what some people think is the best match, obviously of all time, not just between them two, is the 2008 Wimbledon final. So I mean, that's obviously got to be a got to be mentioned at least in the top you know that's at least got to be mentioned cuz some people think that's the greatest match of all players of all time so i mean that's to start things off i guess
1: yeah i completely agree with you that's the one i picked too uh i mean it was a a real battle between these two uh amazing tennis players first title for uh, nadal in wimbledon i did some some researches so it's like four hours and 48 minutes it's just crazy it was long and and amazing final score is six four six four six seven six seven nine seven just <laughs> amazing
0: yeah i mean that match is just is just uh is an amazing match it'll go down in history is probably probably the greatest match of all time so that one's hard to beat but uh another one that comes to mind is more recent the 2017 aussie final between roger and rafa when kind of both of them were just coming back off injury it was just a really crazy thing no one thought either of those guys would be in the final more or less you know them two going head to head and uh you know fed pulling that off kind of like getting his mojo back at that time and just starting to pick up momentum and just it's crazy. That, that match was pretty awesome, the 2017 Aussie final.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I completely agree with you. For me, I, I would have picked this one as uh, somehow one of the most emotional matches because uh, it was very special. Roger didn't, at that time, he hadn't won any Grand Slime for five years. And as you said, he was, um, I think he was ranked 17th before the tournament. And he was back from uh, from an injury, a knee injury. So winning this title and uh, against one of the greatest player again, it's it, it was something special. And and you can see when he, when he just wins the match and he he has tears and it's like when you love tennis and when you watch these images, it's just you have to be you. <laughs> I have no words for this. It's just crazy.
0: <laughs> and, and I mean, everybody. I mean, a lot of people, even people that were rooting for Roger, still felt bad for Rafa. And even Roger, you know, I think he said in the, in the interview after that he, if, he, if he could do a draw or a tie or share the, the trophy with one person, it would be Rafa, obviously. So that was, uh, that was a pretty monumental, pretty cool match.
2: Yeah, that's the one I remember, too. If you asked me on the spot which one, that would be the one I would pull up. And I remember watching every minute of it live.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, some other matches, not, to, not necessarily like monumental Uh, roger rafa matches but as i was looking at all their head-to-head matches kind of researching things there was a few more that i picked out that i thought were pretty weird results yeah scoreline and surfaces um just a few um the first time they played each other it was the 2004 miami rafa was 17 years old and he he took down fed and it was straight sets and that's on a hard court i thought that was pretty crazy and then Uh, Rafa beat him again in 2006 in Dubai. And that's another one that I saw the scoreline. It was a pretty tight match, three sets. It was, uh, uh, Roger took the first six, two, and then Rafa rolled, uh, six, four, six, four. But when I saw that Rafa beat Roger in Dubai, I was thinking because Dubai has always been known for like to be like a really fast hard court, and that usually suits Roger way better than it would suit Rafa. And I think that at that young of an age, I think he was only ni- Rafa was only nineteen at the time to beat him on that fast hard court. I was really starting to think like, okay, maybe in the beginning it was really more just a mental battle for Roger. Like it was the first time someone really pushed his buttons and kind of like stepped up to him. So I was thinking that that was a pretty crazy match. Um, and then uh, another scoreline that I saw was kind of the reverse, uh, was 2007 on uh, in Hamburg, Germany. And Roger beat Rafa in, I think it was three sets, but the scoreline, Rafa dominated the first set, and then it was 6-2, 6-0 on clay for Roger against Rafa. And I was like, what the heck happened? <laughs> and I had to like, re, re, re-watch the highlights, and I think Rafa was just a little burnout out from winning so many matches. That, I guess that was the match where uh, Roger took out Rafa for his 81-match win streak on clay. And finally broke it. So, but to beat him six two six zero in the in the second and third set, I was like, "What the heck? How did <laughs> how did Rafa get bageled on clay?" You know. But then again, you're talking about two greats. And those are some pretty cool and crazy storylines from their head to head matches.
2: That is crazy, and it has to be noted that if the clay court season doesn't happen, uh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We're not oh, even talking another. about like
0: head to head without yeah. The clay
2: yeah, but we're. Not- I don't know what, what
0: did you look at the head to head without clay.
2: No, what is it?
0: Oh, I don't know, but oh. I, it's actually surprisingly, <laughs> other than grass, but hard court, there's actually quite a few wins for Rafa on hardcourt. So, and I think that I think it depends on a, a slower hard court versus a faster and, and whatnot. But they're just so they're both considered goats, you know, and they're both so good that I think it's almost a toss up on any, any given day, maybe other than a clay court.
2: Yeah, and I also have to say I remember it was 2017. We all watched that Australian Open final, and we all thought this was going to be the last time that they ever played.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> seriously.
2: And then it just like kind of kept happening. It happened again at BNP Paribas Open that year, and it just like kept happening. So hopefully, after we all come out of this, we still have some good Fed Nadal matchups in our future.
1: Let's hope so. Yeah,
0: it's so, it's so crazy that you know both of them are still going strong, but especially Roger at. 38. I was researching matches and seeing Roddick when he retired in 2000. I think it was 2012. And I'm like, dude, he's younger than Roger and he retired way back then. You know, it's like Roger's still going. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. I know. I do wonder if some players that retired earlier than 35 and younger, if they're like, hmm, I wonder if I should have kept at it. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's what makes Roger so unique. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's move on to another category this is a fun one craziest weirdest match to rewatch <laughs> I don't have one to rewatch but my craziest weirdest match experience would probably be I was at the Serena Venus matchup that was supposed to happen at the BNP party open I don't know if it was called that back then but in Indian Wells and I was there and that was just weird <laughs> but that's all I got you can't rewatch that <laughs> yeah.
1: what you got One? Craziest match for me uh, was the final between Djokovic and Vavrinka Australian Open 2013. I mean, this match yeah, is...
0: Just... stand the man, stand the man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's just epic. For me, I mean, that's one of the best match in the past few years it will stay stuck in my head for a long long time I mean I still remember I I woke up that day because of the time difference they were playing in Australia and I thought that the match was over especially since at that time Favrinka didn't win any matches against Djokovic for like six years so I thought it was going to be quite easy for Djokovic and uh, when I woke up and I saw that they were just starting to play the fifth set I just (laughs) just ran to my tv to be able to to watch the match and and I mean that was just that was crazy like points from another planet another galaxy and the exceptional tennis quality and especially when you think about the fact that they were playing for a bit more than five hours and and you can see that the two players were giving the best of themselves I mean, it was just crazy. In the end, Djokovic wins it like 1 6, 7 5, 6 4, 6 7, 12 10. Perfect match. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. What, what, uh, that was, um, uh, the final of the Aussie?
1: That was the semi final, I think. Okay. Was it, wasn't it? 2013. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause that was when the year that Stan won the Aussie, I think he took out Djokovic in the quarter and then beat Burdich and I think Rafa in the final. Yeah. You're right yeah exactly but that that was the year after yeah 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 round of 16 but uh for me yeah that was that was an amazing match man anything like stan and Djokovic, or and then and then following that up i think that kind of like really made stan the the stanimal that he became the next couple years because any of the majors that stan won out of the three that he won i could rewatch the whole tournament and uh it was just it was just crazy the way he was just like bullying his opponents around just like <laughs> like hitting them off the court it was ridiculous
2: just cuz our listeners out there this has to do with like times right now stan is a beast on instagram and he keeps going live and it's literally my favorite thing every day
0: <laughs> yeah you can you can tell he's trying to keep himself entertained he's pretty yeah.
2: good at it. <laughs> okay keep going
0: for this section kind of like you were saying like the weirdest match to me i took it more of like a surprise scoreline or like upsets like crazy kind of weird upsets. So I have a list of them. The first couple that came to mind since we just finished talking about fed and the doll, was the year that Soderling took out Nadal in the French Open, beat him in four sets. No one saw that coming, really. Other than like Rafa kind of had a little bit of repetitive injuries that kind of were leading up to that. You can maybe see a, a downfall, but no one thought that he was going to lose to Soderling in that tournament. And then also the year that uh, Federer lost to uh, Sergi Stakowski in Wimbledon. That was uh, <laughs> 20, 2013. That was another weird one. Like, what the heck? You know, like, yeah. how did how did this guy beat Fed at his best tournament? So those are a couple of Fed Nadal ones, and then for me personally, it was the year that James Blake beat Feder in the Olympics. Oh yeah, two thousand eight Beijing, and that one for me is kind of just a a personal story, but. I had a buddy of mine back then that really liked betting on sports and he knew, he knew nothing about tennis. And he like put like a parlay bet on that round. I think it was like a quarterfinal round at the Olympics. There was like, uh, I don't know how many matches he put it on, like eight matches. And the one match he asked me, he's like, aren't you a James Blake fan? I was like, yeah, he's my favorite player, but he's not going to beat Roger. Like he's never beat Roger before. (laughs) And so he got all the, all of the matches right on his list of bets but the one match that I told him like you gotta go for Roger in this in this match Blake ended up beating him and the next day he's like dude you should never like root for another player besides your guy you know and I was like I was just trying to go by logic you know (laughs) that type of thing but yeah I didn't think anybody saw that coming Blake beating Federer in the Olympics I thought that was pretty crazy
2: yeah that is crazy I also have to bring up the Isner Mahout Wimbledon match that was I mean obviously we all remember that one that one was pretty epic I remember I was going to Wimbledon and I left left New Mexico and went out there. And by the time I got there, it was still going. That was (laughs) a crazy match.
1: Three days, amazing match. Highest number. Insane. Yeah. I've seen some records about this match. Like highest number of games in a match. Longest set. Highest number of points in a match. Highest number... Of aces in a match, right? like <laughs> yeah. Mahu had 103 aces and Isner 113 aces. Oof! Eleven hours, just eight hours and eleven minutes for the fifth set, just crazy.
0: So crazy. And then I had another one I just wanted to throw in there real quick. Yeah. This one kind of tripped me out because this was also right around the time I started like really following tennis, but. It was when uh, Guillermo Canas beat Roger in Indian Wells in Miami. He beat him twice in two weeks, <laughs> and uh, just like I was like, "Who the heck is this Canas guy?" I was crazy. I was like, "How how did he beat Roger like twice back to back tournaments, and also to draw him in both of those tournaments?" But I was like, "What the heck? That's crazy!" But who knows. I know Kanye's gotten in a little bit of trouble back before that with, uh, with doping. So <laughs> I don't know what was going <laughs> on. <happen. laughs> Oops. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to add
1: one for, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kind of unexpected. Don't know if you guys remember uh, Jerzy Janowicz, the Polish guy oh, yeah. Yeah. at the BNP uh, Paribas Masters. It's just, It was just, he won the qualifiers and then he made his way all the way through the final. And he won against some very good top 20 players, Cole Schreiber, Silic, Moret, Tipsarevic, Simon. And in the end, he lost in final against Bear. But that was kind of a, like, very unexpected.
2: (laughs) Very, yeah, underdog. Yeah,
0: he was playing really good. I remember when he was beating some of those top guys, he was like dominating them too. But Yeah, yeah, very good serve.
2: For sure, that's a good one. I forgot about that. (laughs) 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 Most emotional match.
0: Michelle, you got anything to lead the way?
2: (laughs) Well, I do. But this is before both of yours times. (laughs) But uh, um, I feel like we can't talk about emotions without talking about the Celis stabbing. That was the first thing that came to mind, actually, for me. She wasn't even playing Steffi, but it was in 1993 in Hamburg. And she was playing one of the Maleva sisters, Magdalena Maleva, And I think she was just 19 years old when it happened. And like again, I'm older than these guys, <laughs> but it was such an interesting time because we talk about Rafa and Roger right now and their rivalry, and Steffi and Celis had such a similar rivalry. And it was as a female tennis player, and even as a female tennis player fan, I loved Steffi. Steffi's like my end all as players, and this person that stabbed her was a Steffi fanatic and didn't want Celis to win more titles and to be number one. So. It's just even talking about it, I have a little bit of a goosebump because they're both just amazing players. And, you know, like people did have a favorite and it's crazy. And I think it actually changed the way we view tennis as fans.
0: To think of like a rivalry and, you know, fanatics and that type of thing. It's just like, it's a little scary, (laughs) but I do remember seeing like documentaries on that and whatnot. And it was uh it was quite a trip, you know, you really feel bad for her and what she had to go through and following up with that and all that stuff. Yeah,
2: And I mean, both of them are amazing people, amazing players. You know, like right now we have Kyrgios, so was an easy bad guy, but neither of them were like the bad guys. No one didn't like them. So it's even crazier to think about that. But that's what I am leading off with for most emotional. What do you guys have?
1: Well, for me, yeah, for me, it was, uh, as I said, the final of the Australian Open 2017, just because of the whole context. And to see uh, Roger, the tears of Roger and what, what it means to him to be back after such um, a tough period for him, everyone was questioning the fact that, is he ever going to come back to the top? Is he ever going to win another Grand Slam again? So this one for me uh, felt really special.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty awesome match. The first one that came to my mind was, and these are kind of like happy emotions, but uh was uh, was Andy Murray's first Wimbledon in 2013, sort of breaking the streak No one had won it since Fred Perry in 1936. As far as uh, British, like hometown type of players, and uh, when he won his first Wimbledon, I thought that was that was pretty special because we always talked about the the Big Four, and we always included Murray in there. But I think that really like set his place in the in the Big Four, and for him, and also for me personally, for him to beat Novak in straight sets, I was like, man, that's pretty crazy. He was really like determined, but uh, just the emotion he had, and like losing prior to that in the finals to Roger. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, very good pick.
2: I like that. Shout out to Andy Murray. He's awesome. And if anyone has not had a chance to watch his documentary, please go watch it. It's so good. Safwan, have you watched it?
1: I haven't, but I will.
2: Troy, have you watched it?
0: No, I haven't watched that one.
1: yet.
2: Oh my oh. gosh, you guys have to. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Anyone out there listening, please. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's so good. It's emotional. It really shows you his heart and how much of a hard worker he is. You'll fall in love with Andy Murray for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: What's next? Favorite match of all time if you want to jump into that.
0: I think oh. I may have already heard which uh, Safwan's favorite match is and it's also one of my, <laughs> one of my top ones. I think it's because... Um, I don't uh, think. Do you really?
1: <laughs> no? no? No. There's very very little chances that you guessed my favorite match.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I heard something. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Drum roll. laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, all right. So for me, it's Nadal against Verdasco, a semi-final Australian Open 2009. What are you thinking about this one?
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Come on, man. We're both lefties. I mean, how can you not? Like, the the level of tennis in that was ridiculous, the shots they were hitting. And both of them just being lefty, both being just like Spanish, like straight beast on the court. It was that was a pretty sick match. That's definitely like in my top three, top five. for sure.
1: yeah, it's just crazy. I keep on watching the points today. It's just uh, it's uh, as you said, yeah, as a lefty, you can really identify somehow to the players. And no one would have guessed that it was going to be such a crazy match. I mean, Verdasco didn't win any match against Nadal before this match. And really, if you haven't do so, go and watch the tiebreak of the fourth set. I, I think, personally for me, it's the best tiebreak ever in the tennis history, <laughs> where Verdasco just wins it 7-1, and he just get back in the game, and uh, very, very good match.
0: Yeah, I think that was also, too, right around the time when uh, Verdasco was uh, like really kind of started like working hard and training with Gil Reyes, the, the trainer that used to work with Agassi. Mm-hmm. And like, he was just like, jacked, like he was just like, he was ready to go 12 rounds in a boxing ring or something. You know, like he was, <laughs> he was definitely giving it doll, everything he had. The only thing that that may, you know, to some, some tennis fanatics or some tennis purists that might take away from that match was the fact that Bradasco double faulted oh, yeah. that match to least. That was, that was like the only part, like everything up to that was beautiful <laughs> tennis, amazing fight and then right at the very end just a double faulted away I was like yeah. no like how can you end it like that but, I mean that just goes to show that we're all we all can double fault matches away and it kind of like mm-hmm. made me feel a little better about myself but
1: <laughs> <laughs> for sure no and I, I think in the whole match in more than five hours of match he did only three double faults I think something yeah. like this and and two in the last in the very last game and one on the match point so yeah. Such
2: a shame. That's crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> tough. Troy, what's your favorite match of all time? Well,
0: that definitely is one of them. But just a personal match, and this may not be like anything monumental for anybody else, but mm. it was 2005. That was right when right when I first started playing tennis. Like, I don't even know if I had bought my first, you know, like legit racket yet. But uh, it was the Blake Agassi match from 2005 U.S. Open, and I was, and I didn't know Agassi's history as much. I definitely knew who Agassi was, but. I was just kind of coming into it and Blake was like my favorite player just cause he was like so tenacious. And like, he was like a quiet guy, but like very fierce on the court. And I kind of like wanted to resemble that. And I was rooting for Blake so hard. And, um, uh the fact that Agassi got him in the fifth set was just like a major bummer for me. But then after that, I started to learn more about Agassi and like definitely respected it. And it definitely was towards the end of Agassi's career. So it was almost almost the, the right way to end that match was having Agassi win it because Blake had more of a career left after that. But I was just so rooting for Blake in that match. <laughs> Uh, Nice. Yeah,
2: Yeah, you guys are so much better at this than me because like all my memories have like some weird emotional connection. (laughs) So I feel like I don't remember matches really well. I like was just trying to keep up and I just remember when Rafa played One of my favorite players at Indian Wells, the dog, (laughs) Alexander Dokopolov, (laughs) and the dog beat him and I was there and it was one of those, like, if anyone's been to Indian Wells, it was one of those epic matches where you just like put on your seatbelt and I think I was the only one cheering for the dog (laughs) and (laughs) it went three sets. I think he won in a tie break and what year was that? It was in 2014 it was such a fun match to watch especially if you know how the dog plays he can be erratic but he's a shot maker yeah and that that match was just so fun for me to watch like when I think of favorite matches in the last at least 10 years that one for sure came to mind
0: yeah that must have been pretty cool being there watching him you know like rooting for him and
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure the rest of the stadium was like get this girl out of here we <laughs> yeah. want yeah. he ended up winning a tiebreaker in the third and he had a great run that year and you know I fangirled and
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention an honorable mention match for me and this one's also at the top of the list for like greatest matches of all time but it was it was that mm-hmm. 2012 Aussie final between Novak and and Rafa. And the, I think it was like four almost 5 hours, almost 6. Almost 6, okay. And Novak ended up winning in the fifth set, but I can just remember like the rallies, the battle, the intensity and then after the match I still have that picture painted in my head when they're both like waiting for the trophy ceremony and they're both like like leaning up against the net they can't stand yeah and they're like they're like sitting on the net tape because they're just completely exhausted and just destroyed but that's just to me a battle of two guys leaving their hearts out there and almost just like dying out on the court it was it was a pretty amazing match
2: yeah that's awesome what about a match that you wish ended differently?
0: Oh geez, this one's like very recent. <laughs> Michelle knows I'm still bitter about this. I won't take over yet though. I wanna I wanna let you guys go. <laughs> she knows exactly what I'm talking about and I still wanna like punch a wall. Sometimes when I
2: think about this match, but anyways, uh, I feel like if I can remember, if I'm thinking the same match as you, yeah, there might have been a group text chain, and I was like commentating my pain through it all too. So, Stefan, yeah. we'll let you start.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we have the same. Do you? Would you say Wimbledon 2019 too? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> yeah. I still remember this match. Uh, it's. I was expecting Roger to win this final and to just have his 21st Grand Slam and, and make a little more history. And the, the final was about five hours. And I still remember I couldn't watch the fifth set, so I had to take the train. Oh. But I couldn't watch the final set, and I was just on my phone following the score. I was refreshing the page every time. And then <laughs> I see Roger with a match point. I was like, come on, it's done, it's done. I was refreshing. I think... <laughs> I refreshed the page like maybe 30 times. <laughs> and then I saw that he didn't make it. And then another match point, So I was like full of hope. I was just refreshing the page again. And then, unfortunately, we, we all know how it ended. And uh, <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah.
2: Big rip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Troy, <laughs> what's for Um,
0: It was the same, same match, the Federer losing to Djokovic at Wimbledon. Just the fact that it was that close. Roger was that close to getting to 21 and I know a lot of people are going to be like oh you guys are greedy if you're rooting for Roger and that he's got so many major titles already but like the fact that he he was serving for it with three match points and it was like he hadn't really been like that close to like taking out Novak in a huge match in a really long time and it was like for him to be to be that old and like still playing at the best in the world you know Against Djokovic, who's you know probably going to go down as one of the greatest of all time, like one of his toughest nemesis to like play, and it just, oh, it was just so aggravating. But mm-hmm. I think Mich- Michelle, Michelle, yeah. you were thinking the same. I remember, I remember text- <laughs> yeah. I remember texting you during the match. <laughs>
2: You guys, I love Wimbledon and like had my like Wimbledon layout going. I had my Pimm's cup number one. (laughs) I was eating strawberries and cream and I think we were texting and it was like that thing where you're like watching and it's match point and you're like, okay, this is it. And you know, like silly me, I'm like all always on Instagram, but I was like had my Instagram ready to like film him winning. And then I was like, Oh, I'm like, oh my god, did I no? And I just, oh, it was so hard to watch. And I remember the next day or even later that day, Chris was saying, please remove all sharp objects from Michelle's apartment. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> yeah. That was a rough one. So I think we're all on the same page on that for sure. Oh, yeah. I had a last minute addition question for these guys because they are a bit younger and we've been talking a lot about tennis in the past 10 years. Do you have a favorite match that happened before the year 2000?
0: Yes, with a little bit of research and uh, (laughs) some of the the documentaries I watched because I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really start playing tennis or watching it till around 2005. So pretty young, maybe in the tennis age of like following it, but yeah, I do have one that, you know, I kind of learned about through a documentary and basically it's, it's my favorite player's favorite player of all time. So I don't know if you want to kick it off, but it was, uh, it was, I think it was the 1975 Wimbledon final. It was Arthur Ashe, Arthur Ashe beat Jimmy Connors in four sets. okay, And he was the first black man to ever win singles at Wimbledon, but it was a pretty cool match from what I saw, like in highlights and Uh, in one of Arthur Ashe's documentaries. But he was like a big time underdog. And it was just funny to me because from what I knew about like Jimmy Connors is he was just like a very like straight faced. He always seemed like kind of irritable and grumpy on the court. And he was also favored to win it. So the fact that like Arthur Ashe like beat him in the finals of Wimbledon, I thought that was like pretty cool because Arthur Ashe seemed like a pretty good guy to, to represent tennis and just in general, he seemed like a great man. So that was that was the probably the favorite one that I ever researched or kind of saw, saw a documentary on.
2: I like that, Safon, Do we have an answer? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I do have an answer. <laughs> no, I only started tennis around 2008 <laughs> or 2009. So I do trust uh, Troy in this one. <laughs> and maybe Michelle, you want to share yours?
2: I do have one. I probably have a lot, but as I said, I'm not that great at like recalling some of my favorite matches. However, I'm going to go back to Steffi Graf because she. She is amazing and she's still one of my favorites of all time. There is a French Open matchup between Steffi and Hingis. I think it was 1999. I did not like Hingis in the beginning of her career very much. And I love Steffi and Hingis was just running away with this match. And all of a sudden there was a call that was controversial and Hingis started losing it. And she is known to be super strong mentally, and it was kind of crazy. It was that match where Hingis lost and left the court crying, and her mom had to walk her back on the court for the trophy presentation, I think. I think it was that match. So it's. Uh, it was definitely... An interesting one to watch, one that I for sure remember watching. I remember just yelling at Hingis, like, why are you walking off the court? But she was so <laughs> she was so young, and um Steffi was just classy as ever. She just like grinded through, she was just down and out, and just like did not miss and Hingis kind of lost it a little mentally. And it's it's definitely one that you guys should go watch if you haven't. And there are there is footage of it on YouTube. I was watching a little this morning. And it's on clay and it's French Open, which is always such a cool tournament. So that's mine. Well, yeah. Yeah, go check it out. I mean it was kind of like, you know, we've got a lot of controversial moments between some of the WTA players in the past few years. And this one was like, a little controversy. But Steffi has always handled it with such class and her beautiful backhand slice. Oh. <laughs> so good. Anyone that like is a Steffi fan out there? <laughs> come on, let's go.
0: <laughs> no, she, she is awesome. I, I loved her like mentality and the way she carried herself. She was like, very like focused even keel and just like a no bs type of player when it came to like getting stuff done on the court she was fun
2: yeah she was amazing and it's really cool to kind of go back and watch some of these matches for me obviously i was playing a lot of tennis in the 90s but tennis has changed so much so it was cool to like kind of go back and watch and see how much slower everything was and the strokes are so much elongated and all that so definitely fun well, let's wrap up this episode with a few quick questions that are a little fun, since we're all dealing with a more stressful time, it seems. If you guys could pick your signature shot on the court, what would it be? And they're both lefties, so
0: <laughs>
2: I don't know if that plays into a signature shot.
0: I don't know. I, I was just going to pick one for Stefan because I've, I've seen you know I've seen him play. I hit with him a couple times. Yeah. I'd say his big heavy. Top spin, forehand, cross court. Yeah, that's a pretty good shot of him, but maybe not his favorite. I don't know what your what what your favorite is.
1: Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Definitely, it's happening on the forehand side. That's for sure. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but. I like trick shots. This is not what I would try every time, but if I can do it, I will try to do it. No matter the score.
2: (laughs) I like that. Troy, what's your signature shot? Is that a lefty thing? I mean, you guys and your trick shots and like touch. I think
0: the the creative part of it, you know, kind of like winning a point differently than than the average Joe would or whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, like the creativity comes in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, you know, my best shot, it'd probably be, you know, my forehand cross quarter, probably forehand down the line because it's a little more unexpected. But as far as like my favorite, kind of like what sef Juan was getting to is like something a little different, you know, a little more creative. I like to hit my drop shots, whether it's from the baseline or a drop volley. That's probably one of my favorite ones to hit. But I also because the backhand's been more challenging for me. Are learning the backhand. Uh, it's definitely gotten better over the years, but my forehand's more natural. So I think like my two-handed backhand down the line, like really trying to like be loose and like developing the proper technique to try to hit that shot. That's the ones that are more challenging for me are the ones that I probably like the most when I actually execute them right. So
2: nice. Who is your guys' favorite player at this moment?
0: Ooh, so not, not of all time, just at the moment.
2: At the moment.
0: Play Fl- flavor of the month.
2: Favorite player at the moment, and then you can give me your favorite player of all time.
0: Um, definitely on the, I mean, she's been my favorite player probably for the last year or two, but just she's really fun watching as Ash Barty. Mm-hmm. You know, ever ever since she came into the game and like really like got to the top of the game and, you know, people really started paying attention to her. Uh, I love her variety. I love what she brings to the WTA tour. So Ash Barty's definitely one of them tough one you
1: got anything uh
0: no <laughs> actually I'm thinking right now
2: I know it's tough because we're not watching tennis
1: also yeah <laughs> Yeah. I would still say I would still say again Monfils I'd say because he's French and <laughs> because he's ha- actually uh, playing very well and he's uh I would say more mature than before and um mm-hmm. because of that he's able to uh, win more matches and, and go to the finals, win some tournaments and really happy for him. <laughs>
2: and then who's your favorite of all time? Both of you guys.
1: Troy?
0: Uh, for me, I mean, I had to go with James Blake. James Blake's always been my favorite since I started. The player that he was, the intensity that he had, maybe not always the smartest, uh, you know, like strategy wise, he liked to go big or go home. <laughs> uh, but I just I just loved his mentality and just the person that he was.
1: Yeah, I would say Fernando Vedasco. Nice. The lefty, yeah. It would be easy to say Roger Federer, of course. I mean, amazing player. But if I would have to pick another one, it would be Verdasco or maybe Vavrinka. Nice. Two very good players. Yeah, stand the man.
2: (laughs) Here's a fun question. If you did not work for Tennis Warehouse or Tennis Warehouse Europe, what would you be doing?
1: Traveling. (laughs) 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 Well, I think if I did not work for Tennis Warehouse, I would be stuck at home with nothing to do. (laughs)
2: Okay, good answer. I was hoping you would say something else because I know you have a crazy background and you're super smart. (laughs) (laughs) And like engineering and all that kind of stuff. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I I feel like I mean, I have an aerospace engineering degree, and um, that was one of the first things I was thinking about when I was uh, looking for a job, maybe work in that field. But in the end, I let somehow my passion talk and uh and that's why i'm working at tennis warehouse and, and just doing what i like so
2: nice good answer i love that <laughs> <laughs> troy what about you
0: if i wasn't at t-dub i would probably be doing more coaching trying to work more i like working with like young players kids you know developing their game also like my degrees in kinesiology so i do like the uh the sports science and the the performance side of things you know uh, speed coaching, plyometrics, just developing better athletes, Mm -hmm. whether it's tennis. I have a background in football, baseball, basketball, pretty much all sports. So, you know, just making better athletes, working with the kids and probably doing more coaching and lessons and teaching and trying to, trying to go that route. Nice. That's cool.
2: That leads us into uh, the next question. Who's your favorite athlete that is not a tennis player?
0: (laughs) Uh.
1: Can I say Kobe? Yes. Yeah, I was, was
0: going to say, Yeah, he was definitely one of them for, for many years and, and still is rest in peace. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Kobe's up there. Uh, what about any other ones? Any other sports? Steph, what? Uh, I don't know. What about you? Well, I played quarterback pretty much my whole life. Uh-huh. Michelle knows that I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a freak when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. So I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan. He's kind of what got me into uh, following the green Bay Packers and, uh, I didn't really watch a whole lot of, I didn't really have like a favorite team growing up or anything, but after I stopped playing in the last, you know, decade or so, uh, I started following him. So he's, he's probably one of my favorite athletes of all time, of all sports. I also am a big uh, Mike Trout fan in baseball. He's just a a great ambassador for the sport and just a a hell of a player. Mike Trout, Aaron Rodgers, Kobe, um, even some other sports that, Probably don't get talked about a whole lot. I I used to follow Supercross a lot. I was a big uh, James Bubba Stewart fan, Supercross racer. So that's kind of like a, a side sport that not a lot of people know I follow. But anyways, what about you, Michelle?
2: Oh, gosh. I was going to go like Lakers. I always like weird athletes. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. Um, but the first person that came to mind, and he's a bit older, but Pau Gasol was one of my favorite Lakers. Nice. Yeah. He was just always I, – I think it's kind of like that Spanish mentality. He's just super kind and always working hard. And I'm trying to think who else. Gosh, I know I have a bunch of athletes that
0: I'm always talking about. but <laughs> You're big into uh... – you know working out and crossfit type oh, of stuff yeah. Any of those type of athletes that you follow or
2: There's some amazing athletes out there yeah. obviously actually there's lately I've been following a lot of ultra runners cuz I think I really am into their mind space I'm going to say Rich Roll right now so he is an ultra runner he also has a podcast that is amazing. Nice. He's also a plant-based athlete and he is someone that was a big time lawyer and like kind of was just living that life and just hated it. And he quit everything and had some rough years, but followed his passion. And, um, he's super inspiring and I've learned about so many athletes because of him. So that's who I'd go with. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyone else, Safwan? You have any others? Any soccer or football players?
1: No, I was more thinking about uh, Muhammad Ali. Okay. Uh, or his career and um, and the mentality and what he brought to the sport.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's that's my dad's like one of his favorite <laughs> of, of everything. Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. That's uh, awesome. And then speaking of fighting too, I kind of follow some MMA, and he's kind of a favorite right now, an up and coming guy, but Israel Adesanya uh he's pretty legit man he's fun to watch and i like the energy he brings and kind of the chip on his shoulder that he has so he's a really fun one to watch uh, mma wise
2: nice that's cool one more fun question what's your favorite quarantine snack right now (laughs) oh man everyone's been talking about all the snacks and like all of that so i figured this would be a fun time to share snack ideas (laughs) i'll start (laughs) i I, I got this um first of all coffee has been a necessity through the quarantine and work from home so i've been doing a lot of coffee with a little oat milk because it's amazing but shout out to trader joe's they have the best plantain chips (laughs) and they have a chocolate hummus that tastes like brownie batter and those two together the sweet and savory so good dang yeah I've seen,
0: I've seen that uh chocolate hummus and i the first time i saw it in the store i thought it was kind of weird i was like how does that go together it's but, good yeah maybe i'll have to try it yeah try it out is one then any good snacks you? uh
1: you want maybe you want to go first
0: <laughs> i'm still thinking about this one i've been trying to like balance and like have healthier snacks so i bought a bunch of honey crisp apples Ooh, from yum. the store so i try to like put those in my mouth instead of so much candy or, yeah. you know, I'm hanging out at home with my younger brother and it's like talkies and like all the candy and like Arizona iced teas. And I'm like, dude, you need to like chill on that stuff. Cause it's making me want to eat it. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well I, I, for me, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I'm trying to change my diet and go more to uh, fruits and stuff. So, and, um, it, less uh, chocolate sugar and stuff so um, as we are locked inside and I cannot go food shopping then I'm just uh, dealing with what I have <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah make it work I know it's tough I know in Europe uh, you guys have stricter guidelines at the moment than we do so yeah maybe you can just explain what your situation is at the moment
1: yeah Um. so basically right now we're stuck at home uh, we can only go out if we have to go to the hospital for example or if we want to go and buy some food but only something that you really need like you will not go out if it's just to buy like a bottle of coke or something so and do you have to fill a paper to prove uh, that you absolutely need to go out and Mm -hmm. so everything is kind of controlled and we are going towards something that is a bit more strict because uh, you always find some people that are outside and they need to go for a walk and they just uh, try to do some exercise. But I mean, the best thing for now is just to stay at home and to, I know it's not easy, uh, but as we say, we are in this together and we need, we really need to respect that in order to make it as short as possible. Yeah.
2: Yeah and maybe we can that can be the last thing we end on. Let's all just kind of give maybe <laughs> one thing that has been good that has come out of this. I know for me, I'm trying to desperately continue to add structure to my days even though it's really hard these days are super unstructured. And I a part of that for me is like writing what I'm thankful for and grateful for in this time and the past couple days have been tough. So if you guys have anything that you're grateful for at the moment or something positive that has come out of this that you can reflect on and we can just give a little bit of positivity to end with.
0: Um, yeah. For, for me, it's just uh, getting to spend more time with my fam. I've been staying at my dad's. So I'm here with my brother and I have my sister and uh, one of my nieces just came back from college because they you're all doing all online classes. So I don't like during, especially during the week, I'm never here. I never back in my hometown as much. So it's cool to be able to mm-hmm. just have the whole family in the house Um, Sometimes it gets a little crowded, but it's cool to have my sister here and, you know, family dinners and hanging out with my brother during the day and just watching movies or whatever it is, just kind of getting more bonding time. Because sometimes I think, you know, I myself and all of us just get caught up in work so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, family sometimes seems to be like second thought when it should be always the first type of thing. So. Um, I think that's probably the best part so far. Mm -hmm.
1: Nice. Yeah, I completely agree. It gives us more time to do whatever we don't have usually the time to do it. So a bit of cleanup, a bit of paperwork, um, but also reaching out to friends. We haven't talked in a while, spending some time with the family. So everything is not that bad. And we have to focus on the positive aspects of that.
2: For sure. I also agree. I live by myself, but I have really enjoyed taking time to FaceTime people. Even I was saying earlier this morning, with work, we're all checking in and doing Zooms. And it seems like I got a text from a friend that I hadn't talked to in weeks, months yesterday. And it was so nice to just hear from them and just kind of get on the same page and just realize like, hey, I want to make sure you're good and all that. So I think all of a sudden, like we're not allowed to interact completely together, but all of a sudden we're reaching out in different ways. And even like the fun Instagram challenges with the, you know, that Tennis Warehouse and Tennis Warehouse Europe and Tennis Only are doing, It's it's been fun to interact with people.
0: Yeah, I dig yeah. that.
2: Well, thank you guys for joining me. I love this episode. And I think the plan is to continue doing stuff like this. And we might bring in some other playtesters, maybe some playtesters that were alive a bit longer than some of (laughs) us. (laughs) Maybe we'll we'll crank out some old school answers on some of these questions and continue to ask all of the playtesters around the world what their opinions are. I think this was super fun. Do you guys have anything else?
1: Super fun. Thank you, Michelle.
2: Thanks so much for listening this week. Really fun episode with these guys. Now, if you have a specific playtester you want to hear from next, feel free to drop it in a comment or email me at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. Everyone continue to stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, and until next time, happy hitting.
0: one did you get one for before 2000 the last minute question no (laughs) chris and granville and Booney could go back to like the 70s yeah
2: that would be awesome to get them dude how'd you get starbucks i heard they all closed
0: ours are still open we have a director open okay
2: (laughs) here we go